Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. When was the last time you faced the fear? I'm talking about taking on new challenges that really push you outside of your comfort zone. You know, we as humans are amazing in our ability to continuously adapt and breakthrough leadership is all about being open and embracing change. We hear about that all the time. We see examples of incredible accomplishments we never thought were possible, but it all begins with the mindset of being willing to take on the uncomfortable. And we're going to explore that a bit more with my guest today. Michelle Accardi is CEO of Logically, one of the fastest growing security focused managed service providers. Michelle has vast executive leadership experience in growth companies, as well as large public companies. She has an impressive background in driving successful mergers and acquisitions and also capital raises. Michelle is regarded as a technical thought leader on next generation marketing and communication strategies. Now that's something near and dear to my heart. And her book, Agile Marketing, chronicles her experience applying agile methodologies to the marketing process for better results and faster time to value. Previous to Logically, Michelle was president and chief revenue officer of Star to Star Sangoma. Michelle has been named to the CRN channel chief list. That represents select leaders in the IT channel who have direct responsibility for driving growth and revenue through the reseller channel. In 2016, Michelle was also named to the CRN Power 100. Now that is an elite subset of CRN's prestigious annual Women of the Channels list. And that was for the second year in a row. And in 2014, Michelle was honored to be named Businesswoman of the Year by the Tampa Bay Business Journal. So Michelle is accomplished. She has a lot of passion on this topic. I can't wait to jump in. And all the way from Florida, which I am sure is warmer and sunnier than where I'm at up here in the Pacific Northwest. Michelle, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thank you so much, Dan. Uh, you know, I, I I appreciate you uh, going through my bio uh, so, <laughs> so completely. Uh, um, you know, uh, certainly have done a lot over the course of my career, but feel like there's a lot ahead of me to, to still go. Well, you know, you have this amazing and, and accomplished career, but you took a really interesting path down this road in technology. And I, could you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, well, I, I, I'm the first to say that uh, technology was not a path that um, I was on, frankly. You know, I, I went to undergraduate school. I had, a, I had a degree in political science, but a dream to be an actress. So uh, I moved to New York with big dreams and uh, found myself uh, really having to work a, a, a regular day job and um you know, found that that really wasn't where my where my heart was, and I moved back to Florida from New York, um, and um, was going to go to law school. And my parents rightfully pushed me in the direction of getting a job while I studied for law school. <laughs> and I yeah. found myself, um, uh, you know, uh, again, I was always somewhat creative, and I built myself a resume and a cover letter that said, 
this is not a chain letter, but if you throw it away, you'll be missing out on a million dollar opportunity on a young person who's been the uh, front person uh, for for Disney. I, I played a major character at Disney when I was young. Uh, it, you could say the big cheese. Uh, oh, <laughs> um, <okay. laughs> so in any case, uh, the person at the front desk who, who I delivered this resume to at this small software company called Infresco, uh, you know, thought I had spunk and, uh, you know, they didn't have a real, uh, you know, technology or sales or marketing job for me at the time, but they had a front desk job. Uh, and I literally took uh, my first job in technology answering phones. Uh, and when I uh, got in that role, um, I was really curious because it just seemed like such an interesting place. There was so much uh, going on and uh, I endeared myself to sales and marketing, you know, uh, offering to build out marketing databases, things I had never done before, but was willing to take a chance and people were willing to take a chance on me um, and really just found that I fell in love with uh, technology. You know, I'd follow the IT team around and ask them how they were doing and what they were doing. I'd fo follow the salespeople around, ask to go on sales calls. Um, uh, and, and, you know, pretty soon I found myself um, in a marketing role and then I found myself in a support escalations role. And then that company got acquired um, by CA Technologies. Um, and I was lucky. I had built really nice and good relationships within the organization that um, within in Fresco, and one of uh, the people who was in the marketing department said, hey, Michelle, they're building a reference program and you know all the customers since you've been in support. Um, you know, I think you'd be great for it. Uh, and I put my hand up and uh, got the job. But being naive and young, I was about 21, I think, at the time. Um, uh, <laughs> they told me that I could get a $25,000 bonus if I made 200 customers referenceable, but, but I was so naive um, that I didn't realize that that was over the course of a year. I, I thought I needed to do that immediately. Uh, so basically when the, within the course of uh, essentially uh, call it a couple of months, uh, I had made all my accounts <laughs> referenceable. Um, uh, and, and frankly, it was just by being willing to be an escal escalation path for them um, if, and when they needed something. And, uh, before I knew it, before I was 22, I was back in New York, um, but now leading a, a reference program nationally and then internationally. So by the time I was 23, I was running something global, um, you know, from not having had any technology experience. But I was curious and, um, and interested. And along the way, I attached myself to some great uh, stars who were moving up uh, in Computer Associates uh, CA Technologies. And I was very, very lucky to, to learn from those leaders uh, and have them invest in me. I had one who told me to go back and get my marketing MBA, which I did um, while I was working and, and CA helped to pay for that. So I'll always be in, be in debt to them for that. Um, and I stayed for 17 years in progressively different uh, roles, uh, moving up in the organization until I, I, I left in 2013 to pursue um, I, I got a, a, an offer to become chief marketing officer of Star to Star. Uh, and that was, that was uh, my road into Star to Star. And then I had continued growth there for nine years from CMO to president. So uh, into, our, into the uh, successful um, divestiture to uh, Sangoma um, for $437 million and, a, and another uh, divestiture to Comcast uh, as well as part of that. So 
uh, I think a pretty successful journey, uh, but not one that I would say is traditional, uh, but I was open and uh, I like to say felt the fear and did it anyways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What a great story. And the uh, natural curiosity, right? The the yearning for learning. Hey, how about that for a new phrase? Yearning for learning that really opened you to take on those new challenges at a very young age. And so there it there it is. There there's one example, shining example of facing fear and great outcomes from that. And as you think about this journey now, you're the CEO of this fast growing MSP. What would be some of the biggest leadership challenges that you've faced now that you've reached the uh, upper echelon, right, of leadership? And and what has worked well for you when you think about those challenges to overcome them? Yeah, so I, I would say, uh, you know, going from an operating role of of, of a, a COO or a CMO uh, to a CEO, one of the biggest challenges for me was to let go of all the doing myself and really um, learn to empower other people um, to shine their light and to um, deliver the value to the company and, and to themselves. Um, that's one of the biggest hurdles I think a lot of leaders who are successful are is because we're, we, we tend to be great executors and have great strategy. Um, but it, it, it for me specifically, the, uh, the the toughest part has been, um, you know, enabling everyone else, empowering everyone else um, to be uh, the ones who 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 get to do the work, <laughs> and and you know that that may sound like um, it may sound as if uh, it's a bit uh, self serving to say, um, you know. Uh, it was always me in the background doing the work. The truth of the matter has always been a big team of people around me who've made me successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, as I've moved up uh, in roles, um, it's become more apparent how important it is uh, to have a full team of people uh, who are actually executing. Um, without it, you simply uh, can't reach scale. Um, so that's been the biggest learning lesson for me. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear you talk about people. We talk a lot about the human factor in successful organizations. And something that I've heard you talk a lot about is empathy. Uh, Could you talk a little bit about how that's come into play uh, in this journey of yours? Sure. Um, Well, well, first, uh, I will say that, you know, things happen in life that you cannot expect. Um, I've had a number of different things happen in my life. Um, most recently, I lost my mother in April, um, and the the care that people have shown me in my career um, when I've dealt with painful things um, has enamored me and created more loyalty for me. So um, I really feel like you have to pay that forward um, if you want to create an organization that cares. And, and nowadays there's so much commoditization that happens, uh, in this business. Uh, you know, everybody's, uh, got a productivity tool or a communications tool or, uh, you you know, the, the software du jour, um, at the end of the day, it comes down to the people behind technology, um, and the empathy that they feel. Um, and that makes the difference to a customer. 
Um, so I try to have a lot of empathy um, uh, for my employees. Uh, I can tell you, you know, I, I had an incredible, uh, an incredible thing happen in my life, um, you know, in my leadership journey. Uh, in my last company, I had an employee come to me back in 2000, or, uh, early 2019. Uh, and she said to me, um, you know, uh, Michelle, I, I, I should say I have, I have three stepchildren. Um, and unfortunately they lost their mother in 2018. Um, and when they lost their mother, obviously their father and I really stepped up to try to take care of them. And they had a half brother that we took in as well. Um, uh, but my employees sort of saw me go through this, this journey and the journey of being both a technology leader and being a mom uh, to some kids that were really, really hurting. And she said to me, you know, my stepdaughter, who's 17 years old, gave birth to twins and she's not able um, to appropriately care for them. And, you know, we're at an age where we don't want to take that on at this stage. Uh, would you consider adopting our twin grandchildren? Um, so both uh, the empathy I had for the situation that she was in, the empathy I felt um, uh, coming from her to, to ask us to take on such uh, an honor. Um, uh, but that's how I got my three-year-old. I have three-year-old twin boys. Um, and that would have never happened if I hadn't both either shown some leadership, uh, or what she felt was leadership, um, both it, at, at my office um, you know, she's, I said, why, why would you want me to do this? And she said, you know, Michelle, when I had questions, you didn't just sit at your desk. You got up and you walked me to the person that you felt could give me the best answer. Um, and you stayed until you under, until you knew I understood. She said, you know, that's what I want for my grandchildren. I want them to have someone who's going to be that invested in them. And that really struck me because I, it was such a small thing I felt I did as a, as a, as a leader of the business to try to help one of my employees, but her feeling that from me um, and then her seeing some things in my personal life that um, my husband and I had, frankly, we didn't have a choice to step up to. Um, we had to, um, but feeling that I had done that with grace, um, which to me felt quite frankly, a lot different <laughs> uh -huh. from my seat. Um, but what she viewed uh, was 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 good leadership and what she wanted to see uh, her her grandchildren grow up with. So I'm so blessed having been through that. Um, you know, so now not only am I CEO of Logically, which is a fantastic one of the fastest growing uh, security focused MSPs in the business, but I'm mom to to six awesome kids uh, who teach me uh, a level of empathy and, and that things happen every single day. So I have to keep that in my mind and be cognizant of that for my employees, for my customers. You know, when, the, when people are very tense or stressed in their, in their mannerisms around problems, sometimes it's not around the problem that's right in front of them with technology or a process. Sometimes it's about something else that's happening in their lives. And if you can take a step back and give people some grace around that and, and, and show some empathy, um, you can win a lot of points um, and you can help a person, which is even more important. Um, so I, I try to keep that in mind. I, I try to keep in mind all the craziness that happens in my day-to-day -day life uh, with so many uh, little humans around me uh, that need help that other people are doing the same thing uh, within their own, uh, you know, family systems and, and uh, in their own lives. 
yeah, thinking about others, putting others first and authentic leadership because so much uh, or so often you see leaders just, you know, that are checking the box, right? And, you know, my experience is that team members can really sense if it's not authentic and doesn't come truly from the heart and is not genuine, they can usually tell that and amazing story. And now I know your source of energy, Michelle, because (laughs) I, I have a vision of your household and I know it starts early and it's very active. And when we're talking about empathy, we're, we're the caring and demonstrating through your actions. Now, as the leader of an organization, culture is so important. So establishing that baseline, right? And developing a culture. So how do you see your role as the CEO in shaping the culture at Logically and making it real for everyone in the organization? How do you approach that? Well, you know, I've been in Logically eight weeks now. We have 11 locations uh, around the U.S. And um, I think the first part of it is to actually go out and meet the people. So, you know, I've spent, you know, essentially six of my eight weeks at Logically going out and uh, visiting all the different um, sites, trying to meet as many employees as possible. So I've gotten to nine of my 11 locations <laughs> in um in that, in that eight weeks. And those locations span from San Diego to Maine. So, so that gives you an idea of, um, you know, how, how vast, um, uh, geography that I've been uh, going through over the last uh, few weeks, but meeting, meeting people, asking them where their biggest areas of challenge are and trying to remove those obstacles, um, or some of those obstacles as fast as possible. The other thing that I do is I, do a weekly 30 minute collaboration call um, across the entire company. So, you know, approximately 500 employees, we all get on a, on a, a, a Microsoft teams meeting. Um, and we talk about the things that have happened over the last week. And I ask the employees in an open forum to get, bring me where are their challenges, what things don't they, you know, again, logically um, has done a great job of acquiring some of the best managed service providers across the U.S., um, but it takes a level of collaboration um, to make that work across and create scale for the organization and for our customers. So enabling a place for people to sort of talk openly, ask questions, um, and and it's I think it's been great. I think it's uh, really helping to set uh, culture across where there's multiple locations. Um, but time will tell. I'm eight weeks in. Um, the other thing I'm doing is I'm reaching out uh, to customers. Um, I think it's really imperative that a leader of an organization uh, has a relationship. So you know, logically has thousands of customers, but. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud to say that in my first few weeks, I've probably touched, I would say, three to four hundred of them, either via phone calls or email exchanges back and forth. And um, and, and I look forward uh, to getting even more close to our customers and understanding their challenges so that we can bring new solutions to to serve them. Yeah, and I think setting the example through your commitment to going out and connecting with customers, right? It, it just becomes contagious literally within an organization, doesn't it? When, when you as a leader are walking the talk. Well, I, I, I hope it does. I mean, it's what I believe. It's what I saw from leaders 
who invested in me early on in my career. Um, and, and in order to be successful in not only the managed service provider business, but in any business, people at the, are at the end of, of the day uh, who you're doing business with and for. Uh, so being with them, um, engaging, whether that's, you know, obviously during the pandemic via, via a video or phone call or as much as possible being able to be in person with people, I think um, really enables um, true collaboration and true partnership, which is what businesses need. Speaking of partnerships, now you've had chief revenue officer experience and you've been in these fast growing companies and uh, we know that marketing and sales occasionally, you know, there can be some tension in terms of that working relationship. Michelle, what are your views about that relationship and where you've seen it work really well? What does that look like in high performing companies? Well, it looks like a good partnership and relationship. And I think, you know, I don't think there always has to be tension between sales and marketing. You know, as a marketer, I will tell you that I philosophically believe that that marketing needs to serve the customer and that those who are closest to the customer are often the salespeople. Um, so I always start from how can I help? And I encourage marketers to do that. Don't look at sales as, you know, a big pain, always accusing you of not delivering the right levels of leads, but instead go to your sales team and your sales leaders and say, how can I help you? What are you hearing from the customers? Um, and then as you understand where their, you know, I'll say their viewpoints, um, you can then earn the trust that enables you to say, well, have you thought of this additional channel, this, this, uh, you know, this uh, digital channels in order to interact with the customer in these tactics. And, and you get a lot more buy-in that way. But I find that that's with any groups of people. Um, you know, if you seek to uh, understand before being understood, uh, oftentimes people will, <laughs> will rally behind you. So that would be my advice is, is to act as a service center uh, if you're a marketer, to every piece of the business, whether that's sales, whether that's human resources, uh, whether that's to your leadership team, um, if you act in service um, uh, to others, then you'll earn the right um, to have your voice heard around um, the strategies you think should be put in place. Yeah, and related to that, Michelle, I've seen uh, some situations where having that transparency across the two teams and actually even setting up some sort of internal agreed upon service level ag agreements, right? SLAs, you know, in terms of how we work together, that, that can often be a real positive. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, putting, you know, defining things and, and where expectations are, I think is important, whether that's um, in terms of a formal SLA or just a, I'll just say just in a respectful conversation of, uh, you know, this is when I'll be able to get to, to what you need. Um, and, and I think that some of that is lost. You know, people get too mired down in process to just remember it's just good about expectation setting SLAs. Um, it's about saying, look, this is the time frame when I know I can get back to you. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Setting the right expectations. And we're obviously in this time of continuous innovation. The markets are disruptive and the customers, right back to customer focus, customers are evolving and you've been working with customers for a really, really long time. What have you seen in terms of how those customer expectations have changed, evolved? Is it different now than it was before? What what do you see going on there? Well, I think there's an expectation for speed um, that uh, and for uh, 24 by 7 um, care that is is there for for everyone. You know, you can sort of get it now. Um, so, given that, uh, I think how how people approach business um, has to have that kind of mindset. Um, how do you ensure that your customers are always able to get an answer, even if it's two o'clock in the morning? Um, how are you um, ensuring that you're actually able to reach your customer uh, wherever they are in the world? Um, because it's not, you know, work is no longer a place uh, that, you know, it's it's not a place you go. Uh, it's a thing you do. And people want to be able to interact with people wherever they go. Um, so being there, um, you know, in digital channels to transact work, um, to transact uh sales, um, to do marketing, all of that has to be there, uh, to, to ensure that good customer service is a part of that, you know, and, and there people, uh, you know, want that immediacy, um, but they also want that human touch. No one likes to feel like they're talking to a bot. <laughs> oh, so, no. so it's a, it's a, it's a fine balance between the need for speed and automation and not losing humanity. Um, so I think that that's the the inflection point we're in is um, you know that that want of the customer to have everything now, uh, but also to feel like there are people um, that are providing the services um, and and products uh, versus uh, technology. Yeah, I really hear you about striking the right balance there. And keeping the humanity part of the relationship, right, and the and not just evolving into a uh, transactional machine. Yeah, and and technology should enable that. Really, I mean, t- you know, we should be able to automate those things that are are not valuable to the interaction, um, but enable us to get closer to our customers. Um, so so that's the balance that needs to be struck is how do you enable that automation so you can get faster and touch more people and have more uh, meaningful interactions. So automation, definitely really hot topic and it's driving a lot of the innovation. And we're also hearing a lot these days, obviously about data security and artificial intelligence from your perspective, Michelle, what are some of the other most compelling trends that we should be tracking right now? Well, I mean, you've mentioned a few of them right there, but I think security and cybersecurity specifically, um, you know, it's no longer something that um, is an afterthought. I mean, security today, um, ransomware uh, and, and, and other cyber attacks uh, are happening to everyone. Um, and your ability to get cyber insurance to protect yourself 
uh, requires that you have taken steps to ensure um, your your infrastructure uh, and that your people and the data is secure. Um, and I think a lot of small businesses before, you know, thought, hey, I'll slap antivirus on my machine and everything will be fine. It's not like that anymore. You have to take so many more actions and getting talent to help you with that landscape um, can be tough. Uh, and, and frankly, it's why companies like Logically exist. I mean, we acquired a company called Certant, uh, which is a managed security service provider that is now making up our our security business unit and, you know, the, uh, the capabilities and uh, training and intellect of, of this team of people that I have uh, in our, in our certain business unit, protecting our customers from these threats that are, they're coming from new places and taking new tactics every day. So these guys have to always be one step ahead. And so I'm so impressed by that, but I'm also so scared when I see, you know, um, companies that come to us and who haven't taken the right steps previously and who are now, you know, losing, um, in some cases, millions of dollars um, because they hadn't taken the right precautions. So I think it's it's one of the things that you think never will happen to you, but now you have to plan for uh, in your business. Uh, it's, it's a must-have um, cybersecurity protection. So, um, you know, obviously it's a field that we're in. Um, so it's near and dear to my heart, but, <laughs> but I think frankly, it's a, it's a necessity for every business now. Yeah. It's really anticipating. And, you know, it's that old adage, the sports analogy of skate to where the puck's going to be, right? Not where yeah. it is now. Right. But it's yeah. so true, right. In cybersecurity, it's like, you, you just always have to be proactively thinking, ahead, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking about thinking ahead, so we've been through a lot uh, in our personal professional lives the last two years. Everything just seems to have been uprooted and just we've had to really adapt to change. But when you think about the future, Michelle, what makes you optimistic? Uh, uh, When I see the creativity um, and the care that the next generation has for um, for each other and for social justice issues, that makes me optimistic. Um, there may be a lot of unrest around those things today, but it's all coming from a place of we want to make the world better um, and we want to make it more incl- inclusive and more, uh, more diverse and celebrate that diversity. So that makes me um, really feel um, that we can have a bright future. Um, uh, so that's that that's what makes me think that the that the world is is going to be a better place even if 2020 and 2021 were difficult <laughs> years uh, uh, the future is is bright because we've got a great generation of people who I think have empathy um, and who are much better at technology um, you, you know as I said technology wasn't even a, a thought in my mind when I was graduating from college I mean I think I had gotten my first computer you know, in my freshman year of college, um, you know, otherwise I just played with them in computer labs um, in schools. And, you know, they weren't as accessible as they are today. Uh, my, my three-year-old can do more, more on my iPhone than I can, frankly. Um, uh, so, you know, the, the capabilities and knowledge of, and, and, and the speed of, of technology, 
paired with the the empathy and and um, that that this next generation has, I think is going to uh, bode well for the world. Well, we've covered a lot of ground today, building on this idea of facing the fear. Michelle, do you have any final advice for business leaders that are looking to break away from their competition or achieve that long-term sustained growth? Yeah, well, I do. So, so I last week I was at a Women of the Channel event, and um, Olympic uh, gold medalist um, Nikki Stone was speaking, and and the, the advice she she gave around fear was this: um, the brave may not live forever, but the fearful don't live at all. Um, so, my sense is go at things with gusto. Um, you know feel that fear, but do it anyways, because you really don't have much to lose. Um, you know, you, you get learning lessons if you fail and fail fast, um, and you get great experiences um, through it all. So um, go after whatever it is that you think um, will help your business, will help your people, and will help you. Um, just just go at it with gusto, and and you're going to have a great ride. Well, Michelle, thanks again for joining today and giving us that encouragement, that nudge in facing the fear and achieving unbelievable things in our personal and professional lives. Really enjoyed the conversation. Me too, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. And a reminder to all of you to please continue to give us your feedback on how we can continue to make this podcast better. You can go out, rate, and review on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.